and it is going to help you if you just apply it to your life. And uh, when we sit down with couples, we talk about uh, life and we do talk about, you know, some of the issues that they're facing, but I never tell a couple, okay, this is how you keep from fighting. This is how you keep from fighting. This is, this is how you just stop all arguing. I never say that to anybody because I have not figured out how to do that myself. I just realized that, you know, it depends on where you're at in life. If you're at a stage in life where, man, you're empty nesters and, and uh, you've got no more kids at the house and you've got a little bit of money, you've got your bills paid, you're probably going to fight less than that couple that's just starting out and they don't have any money and they got a lot of stress and they got a bunch of little kids running around. You're probably going to fight less than them. Does that make sense to everybody? So, so everybody's at different places. But what I say is this, it's really not about teaching you how to fight less because I can keep you from fighting altogether if you would just move to one house and your spouse moves to another. I could solve every problem right there. You wouldn't fight anymore, but that's not realistic. God called us to live together and, and so in marriage. And, and so what God is saying is not really the key is fighting less. The Bible teaches us really about love. And so what I talk to couples is uh, about is I talk to them about not fighting less, learning how to love more. Listen to me. The key is loving more. Because if you can love more, you can overcome all the different obstacles and adversities that people will put on on a divorce sheet that says irreconcilable differences. Because I don't believe there is such a thing as irreconcilable differences. To say that there is would mean God is unable to fix it. And I believe God can do the impossible. He could fix anything. Amen? So I want to talk to you about how to love more. And to do that, we have to talk about what love is, right? What love really is. And the Bible kind of gives us a blueprint in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 4, when it talks about what love is. And so it says this, watch. It says, love suffers long as in kind. In other words, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And you look at that list and you go, wow, that's pretty extensive, right? And I look at that and it's a little daunting. It's a little challenging. So I want to break it down because I read it not long ago and I said, you know, I see three different things at work. I see what love does, I see what love doesn't do, but then I see what love is. So let me break that down for you. Here's what love doesn't do. Love doesn't do these things. It doesn't get jealous, act rude, boast, act selfish, get angry easily, keep a record of wrong, and does not rejoice in unrighteousness. So if I want to love my wife, I can't do any of that. And I thought, okay, that's, that's good. That's, that's attainable, maybe, you know, on a really good day. But we don't always have great days. We don't always behave like we should. We don't always, you know, keep from being selfish. So that's a little daunting. And then there's also what love is supposed to be doing. What does love do? Here's what love does do. Love never gives up, never loses faith, holds on to hope, endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. 
And I look at that list and I go, you know, that one's a little more difficult because I have failed my wife. I fail her every time I go to the grocery store and she sends me a list. She'll send me a list and I'll come back with the groceries and she'll say, did you get this? And I'll go, oh man, I forgot that. She goes, how did you forget? It was on the list. I don't look at the list. I look at it once and I got it like that, I got it. I don't need to look at it again, but apparently I do because I never come back with everything on the list. She's like, how did you forget? It's easy, I failed. I failed you and I will probably fail you again on a consistent basis. But love never fails. And so I look at this list of what love does and doesn't do, it's pretty daunting. But here's the thing, in that verse, in those verses in 1 Corinthians 13, there's also what love is. Not just what it does and doesn't do, there's what love is. Watch this, love is two things, patient and kind. Okay, all right, that's a little easier. And the truth is, if I can be patient and I can be kind, then I can be all those other things. So I really think we need to focus on those two, right? I mean, we need to do all that other stuff. Absolutely, we should not be rude and selfish, those things. But let me start. Let me, let me start in my relationship by focusing on these two things, being patient and being kind. Now, what you have to understand is that when Paul is writing this in 1 Corinthians 13, some people refer to this as the love chapter, but it's not the love chapter. It's actually a spiritual gift chapter. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse number one, talks about spiritual gifts, nine spiritual gifts. It lists those. It goes on to talk about how those should operate in 1 Corinthians 13. They should operate out of love. And then it talks about how they operate in the church in 1 Corinthians 14. So those three chapters all go together. So really, in 1 Corinthians 13, he's talking about spiritual gifts, but he defines love for us. But what you have to know about love is, love is not a gift. Nobody's been given the gift of love. Some people might say, well, I'm just more romantic than some. Well, bless your darling heart. But the truth is, is that love is not a gift. Love is a fruit, right? In Galatians chapter five, it says what? But the fruit of the spirit is first love. And then every other aspect, because it's not fruits, plural. Give me some of that joy, but I don't want any of that patience, right? It's fruit, singular. In other words, every aspect is a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And when you see a list in the Bible, the first thing on that list is always the most important. Take the 10 commandments, for example. You missed the first one, you've missed them all. And it's same with the fruit of the spirit. If you don't understand love, you'll never have anything else. And sandwiched right in there in Galatians chapter five, right in the middle is two things. It's patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. So we said this, we said last week, we said gifts are given, but fruit is cultivated. Did you hear me now? Gifts are given, but fruit, he works in us. He cultivates us. That's why I could say this. There's no such thing as love at first sight. Huh? 
It's a work that he works in us. It's fruit that he develops in us. It's something that God is working in me constantly, teaching me how to love. And what love is, is patient and kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Hallelujah. So last week we talked about patience. And if you missed it, some of you were like, thank God I missed that one. But I got you on this one because we're going to talk about kindness. We're going to talk about kindness today, right? And what kindness is. And like patience, it is something he works in us, right? Because the very definition of love is both internal, that's patience. You can't necessarily see it. You can see impatience, (laughs) but you can't necessarily see patience. But kindness is something that it's external. It's on display, right? But I want to talk to you from the word of God, what God's word says about it. We're going to read in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles uh, or you have a phone or a tablet, turn to Luke chapter 10. If you're new to the church, first time here, been here a few times, you'll know we put these scriptures on the screen so you could follow along there as well. But I want to give you a couple of scriptures ahead of time. Here's what Proverbs chapter 19 verse 22 says. It says actually this, that the desire of a man is kindness. The desire of a man is kindness. Hallelujah. In other words, that's what women are really looking for. That's for all you Don Juans out there who just thought that that third splash of cologne was going to do the trick, right? (laughs) No, no, what they really want is a kind man. Ladies, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying. But I'm going to need a few more amens in moments like those. I said what women really want is a kind man, right? I was in the grocery store the other day, and I saw this, this men's magazine where the guy's all chiseled, and he's got the chiseled chest, and, you know, the abs just go cha-chink, 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 cha-chink. And I thought, wow, I will never look like that again. And so... So how many of you know the abs go away eventually, especially I've spent a lot of time at the fair lately and the abs, they go away, right? But kindness stays with you. So the desire of a man is kindness. You know what it says to the ladies, Proverbs chapter 31, when it talks about a woman who is to be praised, a virtuous wife, a virtuous woman. It says this, when she opens her mouth, she speaks wisdom and on her tongue is the what? Law of kindness. She speaks kind words, kind words. So I want to teach you today from the word of God, Luke chapter 10. And let me give you a little background before we go into it, because Jesus is actually teaching a parable in Luke chapter 10. And what you need to know about parables is this. You need to know that parables are not true stories. This didn't really happen. Sometimes we forget that when we read these parables. It didn't really happen, and that's important. Why? Because Jesus makes up a story in which he puts all the characters, all of the scenarios together to paint a picture of what the kingdom of God is like. So he is able to put this story together exactly like he wants it. So when you read a parable, listen to me, pay attention to every word, every detail, every sentence, because Jesus is telling a story that is important, right? 
And as in the case of this particular parable, many of his parables were actually the answer to a question. Now watch what happened. A man came up to him. The Bible says a lawyer came up to him and he actually asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus has this conversation with him and he says, well, you, you know, here's what the word of God says. You know the scriptures. He said, you, you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself. And so this man, the Bible says, in order to justify himself, this man says back to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So Jesus In answer to that question, the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus begins with a parable and he says this, there was a man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho on this certain road. It was a dangerous road. It was a real road, right? And he says, this man fell among thieves. They beat him. They stripped him. They robbed him. They absolutely left him there half dead. And the Bible says, Jesus went on to tell the story and he said, and a priest came and he sees the man, but he walks on by. And Jesus continues, likewise, a Levite came and he saw the man, but the Levite walked on by. So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse number 33. And it says this, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor? Watch, Jesus takes that word and turns it from a noun to a verb now. Which one of these men do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And this guy answered, and he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, as you read this particular parable, Jesus is answering the question, okay, who, who's my neighbor? This man wanting to justify himself. In other words, he wanted to find out how few people I have to minister to, how, how few people I have to be neighborly to. Who is my neighbor? Could you define that for me? And, and by the way, could you keep the number fairly low? right? Could you, could you maybe make it just two or three? Cause then that would be possible. But Jesus defines it in a whole nother way. And in this particular parable, you find a blueprint for kindness. In this particular parable, you find an absolute step-by-step guide of how to cultivate the fruit of kindness in your life. So let's start right here because this is how we cultivate kindness. Number one, you have to understand kindness, number one, sees the need. Kindness sees the need. The Bible says, and when he saw him, And listen to me, if you're going to start walking in kindness to your spouse, 
to your neighbor, to your coworker, to a friend, to a son or a daughter or a parent. You have to understand that you start by seeing the need. You have to open up your eyes. You have to get off of your phone. You have to lift your eyes up, get off of social media, stop staring down, look up and begin to look at the needs that are around you. Amen. Just look up. Just look at at what is around you. If you just look, I promise you, you will see needs. Pay attention. Here's what kindness is. Kindness is radar, man. It's just like this spiritual radar where you are attentive, you are looking, you, you are focused. Nothing worse than, than a spouse that is clueless to the needs that are around them. A child that is clueless to what is going on. A parent that is clueless to what their son or their daughter is doing. Listen, if you want to show kindness, pay attention, look up, see the need. I went a long way in fixing my marriage when I actually started doing things around the house without having to be asked. Ladies, I'm trying. I'm trying to help you, but if you can't, if you can't communicate, I don't know what I could do. I said I went a long way helping around the house. Huh? When I said, okay, see it. You have to see it. When I just looked up, when I just paid attention, when I noticed what was going on in her life or or my kid's life. Listen, if we just get off of social media or get off of being so self-centered about the career or, or what we're focused on and just pay attention to others, right? Listen, we've all done this. We've all done this. Everybody in this room have done this. We live in Palm Beach County. Most of us have driven and we've sat at an intersection where we see somebody with a sign. And I don't know about you, but I often do this. I just don't want to look. I just don't, you know, I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm playing with the, I mean, you just, you know, you pretend that you're on the phone or paying, because you don't want to look. Now, I'm not saying roll your window down and hand anybody money, okay? That's between you and God. I understand that a lot of them take money and not everybody, but some of them do. So you have to discern who to give money to and who not to. But what I'm saying is, is some of us just live life like that. We just got blinders on and it's just all, I'm focused right now. I'm just trying to get ahead. I'm trying to get that career. And in the meantime, there is hurt and pain going on all around us and we're clueless to it. Here's what kindness does. The first step is kindness sees the need, right? You just see it. And if you look, let me tell you, it's there. Just look around. Just look around and you'll see, you'll see the need. And then the second thing you need to know is this. Kindness sympathizes with the individual. It sympathizes. In other words, one translation of this verse says, and his heart took pity. It's a heart condition. Now, I understand that this is not the final step, but this is an important step in cultivating kindness in our life. We have to sympathize with those who have needs, right? We have to have our heart in it. We can't just be going through the motions. And let me tell you, I was there. I gave my testimony last week, my wife and I, how God really fixed our marriage. We were Christians, we were pastors. 
I read my Bible, I prayed, I preached on a regular basis at a church in North Florida, but we had a terrible marriage. Life was falling apart. Cynthia packed her bags. I mean, we were just completely out of love with each other. We didn't have a heart for each other. We didn't have any feelings for each other. We didn't like each other, much less love each other. And so as God began to restore my marriage, I had to have a conversation with God. I said, God, how am I supposed to do this if I don't feel it? How am I supposed to show kindness to her if my heart is not in it, right? Am I just supposed to fake it? Am I just supposed to kind of manufacture or go through the motions? And God took me to a verse in the Bible in the book of Ezekiel, and I saw it, and I went, okay, that's how it gets done. Here's what Ezekiel 36, 26 says. It says, I will put a new spirit in you, and watch this. God said, I will perform open heart surgery. I'm going to take out that heart of stone and I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh. And when I saw it, I said, God, I need that. Because towards my wife, I had a heart of stone. I didn't have any feelings. I didn't have any emotions. And kindness is tough when your heart's not in it. Here's what the Bible says about this man. He sympathized He looked at him in that condition and he said, yeah, I got to do something. His heart was broken. And let me tell you, when God began to turn our marriage around, I had to have God do something on the inside of me. He had to touch my heart. And let me tell you, he did. And today, kindness is easy. It's easy because my heart's there, right? My heart's all in now. God performs surgery. Let me tell you, if it's towards your coworker, if it's towards your boss, if it's toward a parent, if it's towards a child, listen to me. God is able to perform surgery on you as well. He'll take out heart of stone and he'll put in a heart of flesh. And that's what we all need to show kindness to each other. We have got to sympathize. Listen, we've got to sympathize. We've got to show compassion. We've got to say, okay, God, I want my heart to be in this thing. Amen? I want my heart to be in it. Now, that's not the final step. That's just another part along the journey. And if we stop there, we've missed it. We have to have this last ingredient, this last part of it. And that last part is this. Kindness seizes the moment. Seizes the moment. The Bible says he saw him and he had compassion. And then watch this. It says, and he went to him. Hallelujah. He went to him. Imagine all the obstacles he had to overcome. I mean, when you're standing there and you see that need and you think to yourself, okay, there is a man that has been beaten But then the enemy comes and says, yeah, but if you go to him, they might still be waiting there. Huh? I mean, that whole thing may be a setup. How many of you know that? That's very likely that could have happened. I mean, if you help that person, you never know what's going to happen to you. But the Bible says he did it anyway. See, here's what compassion really is. Compassion's movement. Your heart has to sympathize, absolutely. But then ultimately, you have to move. You have to do something. Listen, you cannot just let life pass you by and not do something. You have to do something about it. 
I can't just look at my wife and go, oh, man, she's got so much on her plate right now. I mean, she's just so busy. You know, somebody ought to do something. I have to be willing to say, hey, babe, let me load the kids up. Let me take them away from you for a little while. You just go relax. You just have some you time, and I'll deal with the kids. I'll take them to Chick-fil-A. They can play in the little play area. I'm going to drink my sweet tea and let you just relax and have, have some time to yourself. Amen? I have to be willing to do that. Amen? Listen, if you see a need, do something. Ladies, if you know your husband is... Is man stressed out? He's overworked. Man, he's put in extra hours. Do something. Grab his credit card. Go down to Victoria's Secret. Come on now. Don't buy no robe or no socks. Come on now. <laughs> you buy something else. And when he gets the bill, he will not complain. Amen. Do something. Don't just go, you know, my husband, he's so busy right now. Somebody ought to do something with that poor guy. Listen, if we see a need, do something about it. This man went, he took wine, he took oil, and the Bible says, and he bandaged his wounds. Where did he get the bandages? I mean, do you think that he just happened to have? Good luck today. I just happened to have a medical kit on my donkey. Was he a Samaritan doctor? Probably not. Let me tell you where he got the bandages. He started ripping his own clothes. He started ripping his own blankets. He started pulling his own stuff apart. He he, he, he put his own expenses into it. He took his own money without any thought if I ever get repaid for this. Huh? Because here's what kindness is. Watch this. Kindness is a willingness to be interrupted and inconvenienced. Did you hear me now? I'm going to say kindness is this willingness to be number one, interrupted, and number two, inconvenienced. And if you are too busy, come on, ladies, men, friends, coworkers, neighbors, listen, if you're too busy to be inconvenienced and interrupted, you'll never be kind. You'll never walk in kindness. If you study the Gospels and you look at Jesus' life, you'll find that he performed many miracles on the way to another miracle. Why? Because he was willing to be interrupted. Huh? He was willing to, to let the world stop and go, this person's needs are vital right now. He was willing to have people come to him privately in the middle of the night. Hey, can I talk to you? Tell me how to be born again, huh? Jesus was constantly willing to be inconvenienced, interrupted. And if we're so busy with life that we refuse to be inconvenienced or interrupted in any way, let me tell you, we'll never walk in kindness. Because when I come home from work, my flesh wants to do nothing. I'd love to just sit on the couch, grab my remote, and just be king for a few hours and command my servants accordingly, right? But how many of you know that's not the ingredients to a happy marriage? I used to do that. I used to do that. When we had a terrible marriage, I came home and, buddy, 
I didn't care if there was needs all around me. I was not going to be interrupted or inconvenienced. And finally, I had to look at myself and go, okay, this isn't a marriage, right? And this isn't kind. And I had to say, okay, how can I be kind? Okay, here's what, I can do something. Without being asked, remember I said that, without being asked, I can do something. I can be inconvenienced, I can be interrupted in my life. Amen? And that's what kindness really is. Because I want it said of me, that's a kind man. Huh? I don't care what else they say. I don't care what else they say. But if somebody says to me, that's a kind man, he's kind. Ladies, listen, that's what you want said of you. That's a kind woman. She's kind. I love being around her. And let me tell you, singles today, can I just give you, can I just give you, I, I told you, like I said last week, can I just give you some dad advice? Can I just talk to you like a dad? Listen to me. You are looking for somebody who is patient and who is kind. And if they're not patient and they're not kind and you are in a relationship with them or you're dating with them, sever that thing as fast as you can and say, I am looking for patient and I'm looking for kind. Huh? And that's what I'm looking for. And if you're in a marriage today and you say, Pastor, can I sever that too? No, no, you can't sever that one. No, you got to work that out. Huh? Because you said, may I remind you, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. You said it. I didn't say it. You said it. Amen? And so you've got to get help. And let me tell you, my wife and I, we were there. She had to be kind even when I wasn't. And she had to be patient even when I was impatient. And let me tell you, she wasn't perfect I know some of you think she is, and she's super close, but, but she's not. And she said a lot of unkind things, and she, God had to work on her too, and she's given her testimony before. And God had to work some things out in her as well. But if we're going to learn how to love, we have to start with these two. And I think if we get these two down, we're going to go a long way to the rest of that list. Amen. 